0: Live at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company.
1: No one, and I mean no one, is gonna outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve.
0: <laughs> but we don't love Steve.
1: It's Cofield
0: and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: On a Friday, 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 Friday. Adam Hill, all fired up down at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook, and bar. I just scared people down on the field here at Allegiant Stadium. Ari's in our Finley Toyota studio. Another Cofield and Company uh, around town. Friday, 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 Friday. Lots on the way because we got a big weekend to preview, and we've got UNLV Fresno football on the way. Raiders and Colts, what a freaking show is on the way with this one after the craziest week we've seen for two franchises in recent NFL history. Not overdoing it. I mean, it's been a crazy week. We'll recap that and look forward to the game. We've got Lady Rebel basketball in town tonight. We've got VGK returning home off a of 5-0 and road trip, running Rebel basketball going down tomorrow. So crazy times right now, Adam Hill. What's up, buddy?
1: Not much. It is It is crazy, and there's so many things going on. I uh, was asked about like five different events this weekend. Hey, you going to this? Are you go to this? And I said, well, yes, what? yes.
2: I can't go to all of them. Yeah, It's nuts. Is there an event you can't go to?
1: Uh, I'm try- I think I'm trying to figure it out. I think UNLV football, then UNLV basketball is day. Golden Knights are night. Um, I did say yes to a dinner that I obviously won't be able to do unless we squeeze it in from Thomas and Mac to T-Mobile tomorrow. And then, uh, obviously, Raiders all day Sunday.
2: Hell, if this was olden times, you'd be in New York right now at, uh, getting ready for a fight card I at know. MSG, right? I know. I'll be I'll be streaming that from...
1: Uh, it, luckily, the streaming is much better now with uh, uh, ESPN+. Plus, and we're streaming it from the Golden Knights press box and trying to watch two things at once. It'll be great.
2: And on top of all that, it's Veterans Day. So a very cool, special weekend. And I know they're going to do some things here. In honor of all of our vets for the UNLV football game against Fresno.
0: It's the three on Cofield and Company.
2: And add into that, the Mountain West Conference decided to name a new commissioner today. Pretty interesting choice from the WCC. Gloria Navarez is the new commissioner. Very cool news. Craig Thompson moving on after 24 years. She will start up on January 1st. Any thoughts, Adam?
1: Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, first, you know, I think it's time to transition. (laughs) Well,
2: uh, he made it easy. Craig Thompson did by saying he's retiring. So I'm sure he's moving on to some uh, nice, sweet consulting gig or gigs.
1: Very, very sad news for the conference and everyone around it.
2: Well, you, see, you, know, you say that sarcastically. I know the conference uh, got kind of fractured over the years, and it didn't seem very proactive. Uh, hopefully, the new commissioner is going to be a little more aggressive in holding the conference together and adding schools and improving the TV deal. I will say Craig Thompson was a big part, and he made sure to mention it in his goodbye. He was a big part of the group of 12 idea coming up where a sixth conference is going to get an auto bid. Now, if you think about it, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12 should all be about that six conference because they could all be weakened in the future. I don't think the Big 12 will, although I'm not exactly sold on the four schools they're bringing in, but who knows what the Pac-12 is down the road if they don't get aggressive, if they can't win some battles. Uh, you know, It could have been a power four, so they're still guaranteed as one of the six conferences to get an auto bid. So that that's kind of his legacy that now the group of five those of us in places where you were on the outside looking in and kids really didn't have a realistic chance of fighting. It's a football program to make uh, a tournament, right? The Final Four, they're left out. The Final Two, they're really left out. I mean, Cincinnati broke the mold last year, but you know because of Cincy's performance, if the system stayed around, the group of five would have paid for that for like the next 25 years. They'd always point back to Cincy and, oh, they didn't get it done. Um, so there's a little bit of the legacy of Craig Thompson. Here is uh, is talking about expansion, and a lot of the stuff was kind of generality. She's not starting until January 1st, so you're asking her a question. She's not going to start naming targets and, like, here's the plan.
3: For any conference, I think the question of expansion is really about what is your why? What are you trying to achieve? And then the number that you're at, does it achieve that why? So positioning the Mountain West to get additional teams in the CFP or the NCAA men's basketball tournament, or in all sports in the end, getting more teams at the NCAA tournament at the highest possible seating, that should be our why. So does, then we have to ask ourselves, if we're losing folks, do we need to replace them? And are there replacements that further that why? So it's not for me, a quick Yes, we should always be at X number of schools, but a deep analysis of, all right, who do we have in the league? Who, if someone gets lured away, who who, and what do they represent to us and what are we losing? And who and what is available to then either replace, expand, and continue us towards that why?
2: There you go. New commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. Big night last night. Carolina Panthers win well, that's good for the Raiders. Raiders now sitting in the two-hole in the NFL draft. Is that what we're doing now here in Las Vegas?
1: I mean, probably should be. Yes. Uh, I, I don't think everybody – I don't think the building is set on that yet. No. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's how people are thinking around. Well,
2: it's it's hard to tell coaches and players eight games into a season that with nine left, you're just going to bail. That's, that's just not in the, the competitive fiber of – you know, folks who have won in the past and came into the season thinking they were going to win this year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I know, you know, I saw one uh, data analyst that was saying, like, hey, I think looking at some of the numbers, the Raiders are probably going to go six and three in the oh. final nine games. And like That's exactly what you don't want to do. No. You either want to be at the top or the yeah. bottom. You don't want to be in the middle. The middle is the worst place. Right. Uh, now, if you could... Go 6-3, does that mean you could possibly go 7-2, and two, get to 9-8? and eight? Would that get you in? I just don't think it would. Uh, I don't think the math is there for them to make you know, a run. Now, mathematically, they're still alive. It's possible, and that's what they'll tell you. Uh, but, yeah, to me, you should be more looking at who's losing and trying to compete with them than who's winning and trying to make a
2: run at the playoffs. That is probably not going to get you there. Waller and Renfro go on IR. Waller and Renfro go on IR. Both are hurt. Yeah, I mean, Waller's been
1: dealing with the hamstring. It's actually a different hamstring than the one right. that was affecting him in the preseason. This is the right.
2: The left was the one that kept him out uh, during training camp and yeah. negotiations.
1: So he's been dealing with it, trying to get healthy, and it just hasn't happened. It seemed like there was a little bit of a setback uh, in the last couple of days, and he goes to IR. is a little bit different in that, you know, we knew he's been banged up, and he's been on the injury report pretty often. Uh, he did miss, what, three games already, two with a concussion, uh, you know, it, it's been kind of lingering as well for him, uh, but the the kind of the interesting part of this is that he was listed on Wednesday uh, as being limited by rib and hamstring injuries. Uh, it's then reported that he goes on the IR with an oblique injury, and Josh McDaniels trying to describe it today basically was like, it's his side. He just like, kind of circled the whole side of his body. Um, so it sounds like there's just kind of a lot going on with Hunter Renfro trying to battle through. And... I think the question to ask is if they were six and two, would they be on IR? Probably not, but give them four games, try to get them fully healthy and, you know, see how they, uh, how they come out on the other side and see what the team is doing on the other side. I mean, if, if the team wins all four games and they're six and six, sure, okay, now bring them back. See what they do. If they, if they go one and three and it looks like they're headed toward, you know, trying to play for a high draft pick, then let them sit out the rest of the year and just get fully healthy. I mean, I think that's, Probably kind of the thought process right now of what they're going through.
2: If they were to lose to the Colts, somehow lose to the Colts, would Derek Carr's back hurt a lot next week? Maybe.
1: I, I mean, I wouldn't be. I'm shot being by a smart him. ass.
2: I don't want the guy to have a back injury. Back injuries suck. My back stinks right now, so I can't <laughs> imagine playing football. I'm also, you know, 23 years older than Derek Carr, whatever he is. Um, but you get the point here. When goals change for a season, you may not push players to the absolute brink. Uh, if you don't have to and, you know, as the goals change from, hey, let's make the playoffs to, hey, let's start looking at the future, uh, all bets are off for who's on IR and who gets to play the rest of the season. Coming up, we're going to get into some UNLV basketball, a lot more on the Raiders and the Colts throughout the show, but the Rebs are playing tomorrow against Incarnate Word, so we'll talk to their coach.
0: Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam L V R J. or tweet the show at Co. I think that's
4: the beauty of this team. You can have on any given night somebody that can step up and make a big play. When you don't have someone that's just, giving mean head and shoulders in terms of offensive and the focus of the scouting report every night out for the other team, it's harder to guard because you don't know where it's going to come from. Who's going to step up? And you kind of got to be ready from all angles. And I think that's one thing this team is going to continue to be able to, to bring and give.
0: Hang in at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company.
2: Those former Rebel Curtis Terry running Rebels play tomorrow afternoon game against Incarnate Word. And Curtis Terry was talking about the balance on offense when I was pressing him early in the week for the Alpha or Alphas on the team. I think there's two Alphas. I was watching practice again the other day and watching the game. I, I located the Alphas, but I, I don't know if I want to give it away to the. Uh, Incarnate Word coach is coming. I'm kidding. Uh, Carson Cunningham, Doctor Carson Cunningham is up with Cofield and Company here in Vegas to help preview the game and talk about Incarnate Word coach. How are you?
5: I'm doing good. How are you?
2: We're good. I was going to give away the my opinion of who the alphas are on the uh, Running Rebels, but I'm sure you watched some tape and you have a, a pretty good idea of the Rebel team by
5: now, right? That's right. Yep, they're tough outfit. A lot of talented players and get downhill and they trap and certain spots on the court, and they're aggressive, tough. Yeah, what do you see
2: in terms of defense? Because they, you know, sometimes it could be the opposition, but they cost 28 turnovers and, in the first game. And what do you tell your team when you see a team on the other side perform so well in terms of knocking the ball away?
5: Yes. I mean, yes, that's a huge emphasis is taking care of the rock. You know, you got to take care of the rock. Be strong with the ball. Um, you know, they were very aggressive Um they they did a good job of of guiding the action uh to the spots on the court that they they wanted and then you know rotating accordingly and just having super active hands pressure on the ball and it created a lot of deflections a lot of kind of deflected balls that became kind of up for grabs and they turned into uh breakaways particularly in that opening you know 8 to 10 minutes of that game in particular
2: Yeah, we were talking about it. Adam, why don't you you throw this one out there? I know you were talking about just pace in terms of keeping up a defensive pace. That was pretty interesting that first eight minutes for UNLV.
1: Yeah, I I guess when you're you're watching a game and you see a team come out and defend the way UNLV did for the first couple of minutes of the game, uh, do you just kind of – is that something you have to just kind of let let a team go because they can wear themselves out that way? Or I guess how do you attack a team that looks like they're going a million miles an hour and it's something that they probably can't maintain for a whole 40 minutes?
5: Yeah, I thought that was, uh, you know, some poise was shown by Southern, I thought, with the way they kind of weathered that a bit because it, it was a, a barrage. Uh, so you just got to try to not get overly caught up in kind of the, the, the hype of a run like that and and stay focused on things you think uh, can be effective in, uh, you know, maybe capitalizing on, on – on some of the things they're doing, so you know. But you got to be strong with the ball. You got to have poise, and you gotta you 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 got to be able to stick with it, even if you're you know feeling like you're in a bit of a storm. It's the voice,
2: it's the voice of uh, Carson Cunningham up with Cofield and Company. Incarnate Word is in town uh, tomorrow. School's out of San Antonio. Uh, what did you see in your first game? Uh, a narrow loss. You were tied at the half against North Dakota. So. Give us some of the positives, some of the things you need to work on in terms of what you saw in the first game.
5: There were a lot of positives. I thought defensively we showed uh, toughness and and just better overall play. Um, you know, we'll get one of our big guys back, and that will be nice. Um, and we also will get – we'll add a couple more players here in the next probably five to ten days coming off of uh, injury, which will be helpful, uh, especially in the front court. I thought um, you know we cut it to about a bucket with a minute and a half left uh, by but by just kind of amping up the pressure a little bit. But before that, we we just made some strategic blunders. We fouled too far from the basket unnecessarily a couple times late in that game, and uh, we missed some crucial free throws. I mean, I think last year we were the twelfth best free throw shooting team. A couple years before that, we were maybe number one. I think we were number one in the nation. So usually a big strength of ours and we missed I think mm-hmm. six free throws in the second half two of them front ends and that that was rough so we got to clean that kind of stuff up and uh but I got to give North Dakota credit they made some couple huge plays late um but there were definitely a ton of positives in the game and you got to take those and learn from the tough stuff and get ready for the next one it's a long year and I think the key, no matter what, is to use this time of year to figure out your squad and get better quickly. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: What what kind of team are fans going to see here in, in in Las Vegas when you take the floor? And, and what do you want the identity of that team to be?
5: Well, we definitely want to uh, be able to set the tone defensively, with uh, in, you know, in a somewhat similar fashion. I mean, you can see UNLV is siding the ball and they uh, trying to rotate heavily and get get disruptive in the lanes. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we have a similar approach. Um, obviously, we've shot it pretty well last few years, um, and we'd like to continue that, uh, you know, by sharing the rock and uh, being discerning, passing up a good shot for a great one. Um, but, you know, got to take care of the ball, and got a rebound. So as our front court uh, bulks up with these guys coming on board, coming off injury, that's going to be huge. So take care of the ball, secure the glass. Those are going to be huge areas of emphasis for us um, as this season unfolds.
2: Coach at Incarnate Word. Carson Cunningham is up on Cofield and company. You know, this is an interesting scheduling spot uh, with Incarnate Word and UNLV. Did you have any kind of connection to the UNLV program, someone at the school? Like, How did you guys hook up on scheduling this game?
5: Um, you know, they they have a, a staff member who coached at Lamar that was in our league. We've actually played against Maroka because he was at Lamar as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just think, you know, that it's a tight circle of, of folks in the hooping world, and they reached out and it, it worked out timing-wise for both um, as a Nice to get a nonstop flight, so it it, it made a lot of sense. Um, beautiful campus. So for the folks in, in Las Vegas who don't know, we, we're our campus is at essentially the start of the Riverwalk, the uh, Blue Hole, of historical significance of the spring-fed uh, river is the San Antonio Riverwalk that starts on our campus, and uh, we're just a, we're just a couple miles from the Alamo beautiful campus, over 90 undergraduate majors, and you might not know this, we have a medical school, um, full-fledged optometry, pharmacy, uh, physical therapy, doctorate, nurse-practitioning. So, I'm just saying, if you're thinking about Incarnate Word, I think that's a great place. <laughs> okay.
1: very, very, solid. Very,
2: yeah, very, very solid. Yeah, very solid This is like the only yeah. sports talk show in the country you've talked to that we have no kids. If we had kids, we'd be all about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gr- great pitch Keep there. in mind. yeah
1: yeah great pitch there for the school coach and some historical references kind of thrown in there like you're you're a smart dude why, why coaching basketball why is it so important to you because yeah, you could do a lot of things you're, you're an author you're a scholar so, so much going on you you choose to coach basketball why is it so important
5: well I do love hoops it's really' joyful to work with young men and see if you can have a positive impact our guys have been incredible in the classroom the last four years i think the top performing academic division one basketball team perhaps that's debatable but multiple gpas over 3.4 as a team they just got another 1000 apr that's kind of a nuanced scoring system the ncaa uses to score each d1 academic team every year um it's fun to be a part of it in the setting um you know i went to Catholic grade school in eighth grade, went to Catholic high school, taught history at DePaul University in Chicago, which is the nation's largest Catholic university for about six years. And during that time, I, I, I started coaching freshman ball at the Catholic high school I went to, and, and I loved it. And I never really thought when I was a player uh, that I would be a coach, and I just was amazed at how much I enjoyed uh, coaching. And then eventually I got a shot to coach at a Catholic College in Montana. And we had uh, some pretty darn good run there. And then I've had a chance to come here. And we're, you know, years two and three, we were making progress up the standings. Last year was tough. when we injury riddled and just got to get better in all facets, I got to get better. So this year, you know, we're looking to uh, show that we've made some strides and I love being a part of it. It's challenging. There's nothing easy about it. It's an ultra competitive environment. Um, but it's a blessing to be a part of it and get up every day and you work, try to get better.
1: Well, obviously you're very busy during the season, but, uh, any new book projects on the horizon? Oh,
5: nothing major right now. I haven't been able to write as much. My beautiful wife, Christy and I, we have six children. So, uh, uh, and I'm just my, – my mornings, you know, they're they're pretty full. And then coaching is a very full job. So, uh, man, maybe sometime down the road uh, I'll be able to get something rolling. But right now we're just trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, make sure our kids stay alive and that they, uh, you know, are uh, progressing. And then also uh, get a stop and get a bucket. I'm trying to, you know, keep it pretty, pretty simple. Get a stop. Get a bucket.
2: Love it. Coach, we appreciate it. We'll see you at, at the Thomas and Mac tomorrow. Thanks for a couple minutes. Yes, word up. Take care. <laughs> there he is. That's a funny well, guy, Carson Cunningham, good. who, in talking about his mission as a coach and incarnate word, started with keeping my kids alive and ended it with getting stops and buckets. I mean, that kind of runs the gamut as a basketball coach. Don't kill your players and try to be somewhat productive and Believe me, this guy knows about the ups and downs of, of college basketball. They get they got beat to hell last year. They got real small. I think uh, I didn't realize Ken Palm actually runs analytics on big and small teams. They were like, uh, what was the number? I would sent it over in, in some of the notes because we actually prep for these interviews sometimes. Um, I think according to Pam, oh, last year they were two ninety seventh in height. I didn't even know there was a measure for that. I thought that yeah. that's analytics. There you go, that's analytics. Yeah. All you anti analytics people, um, yeah. But Incarnate Word, a school out of San Antonio, and this guy. He has a a big basketball background. He played in the Big Ten. He played at Purdue. He started at Oregon State. Really good player on Gene Cady's team. And, you know, I was looking back at, like, late 90s when he played. And, man, the Big Ten at the time, that Michigan State team, I got to watch them at the Final Four, and that was, like, just a loaded team with Moe Pete and Mateen Cleaves and Charlie Bell. And he played against a lot of good point guards in the Big Ten. Well,
1: two things. First of all, I didn't know he was coaching at, uh, at Incarnate Word. And when I saw that he was bringing his team here, I was like, didn't he just stop playing like two years ago? No, like 20, 20 years ago. i five years ago. That's a tough one. Uh, but also, I think you missed the most important part of that. Yeah, the the school battle cry. I don't even know that one. As he hung up with the word up, that's the that's the battle cry. It must be. That's what he's. That's man, like the uh, yes. go Rebs. Like a, a word up. That's incarnate, a good one. Incarnate word. Word up. Word up. Tomorrow at 9
0: a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Another opportunity here, and a touchdown.
0: Eric Brooks. Hayter spots him. This time to the end zone. Open again. proper again. Number five with touchdown number four. in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company.
2: Yeah, that was annoying last year if you're a Rebel fan, especially if you're in that stadium. That was the uh, highlights, two of the touchdowns from Jake Hayner. I think there were five passing touchdowns total for Fresno in a 38-30 game and the Rebels stayed right into it to the final possession. They had a chance. They kind of ran out of gas around midfield. Remember that was a game where Doug Brumfield got knocked out and that was kind of the game that you know, cooked him for the season. He had another injury later in the season, but that's what the game where he had his back kind of racked. Uh, Cam Friel came in as a freshman and did a pretty decent job. But yeah, Eric Brooks is back. Jalen Cropper, now Jalen Marino Cropper. Four touchdowns, one forty-eight receiving. He's back as well. We'll have some breakdown of Fresno State as the show moves along. But right now, giveaway time. 364 1100 364-1100. Caller 7 wins a six-foot classic sub. From Porta Subs. You also qualify to win a new Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. So as easy as, call or seven, three six four eleven hundred. You get the six foot classic sub from Porta Subs and the giveaway brought to you by POS and Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Last night was freaking cool, especially if you hate the city of Buffalo. I don't, but Adam does.
1: The people more than the city.
2: Okay. The people. Bills fans are Sabres fans, Sabres fans are Bills fans, and Their guy came back to town, and last year they got him. Last year they got him, and then Jack Eichel kind of acted like a a baby after the game, as Sal Capaccio told us from WGR in Buffalo, and pissed him off even further. And last night Eichel was ready. The Knights seemed to be ready in terms of trying to, you know, feature him, focus on Jack at times, making sure that he got opportunities. They win 7-3. He gets a hat trick. Listen to the crowd on goal number one, and you hear what Eichel does after he scores the goal. Petrangelo again, Blackheart out, you score! Jack Eichel is on the board and he's giving it to the crowd. Wow, you know that one feels good for Eichel. As you can see, he raises his hands to the crowd as if you're not entertained. That one means a lot to him, there's no question. There they are, the same fans that fell to the Jets last week. Sorry, Uh, sorry uh, Buffalo. uh, uh. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Michael, right, cool. I, lo- I love the, the term, giving it to the fans. He just held his arms yeah. up and looked up at the crowd like, yeah.
1: Oh, and then, and then he scores an empty netter from the entire length of the ice and then waves goodbye to the crowd, many of whom were my my cousins. I had several cousins there yesterday. Stop. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, they're booing and screaming.
2: When they saw, there were probably about ten hats for the hat trick thrown on foreign ice. There were a couple of gold helmets. Were your cousins within view of whoever threw the gold helmets and just go down and beat the hell out of them? Uh, no, if they did, they probably would have. Yeah. They're, there, they're, they're I was going to say, uh, they're their kind of, can I speak? Are they those kind of guys or gals that they would they try to freaking beat the tar to someone?
1: Yeah, not sober, but I'm guessing most of the people in that crowd weren't sober. Why is that? It's Buffalo. What does it's that all, mean? It's all there is to do. It's. The drunkest place I've ever been.
2: It's actually not. Is it not? Is it freezing there right now? Is it it miserable time already? I mean,
1: it's miserable time in the summer. It's miserable time when it's 72 degrees and sunny. It sucks. Why? It's terrible. It's It's not near anything. It's old. It's run down. All the jobs are gone. It's why they just sit around and scream racial epithets at their players.
2: I don't think they all do that.
1: Well, many of them do, and nobody stops them from doing it. That's the issue.
2: 60 degrees and a little bit of rain tonight (laughs) at 635 Eastern.
1: And it's still miserable. It's still overcast, I'm sure.
2: Jack Eichel, check that. Mark Stone on Jack Eichel. I'm going to back this guy no matter what. He's one of my more impressive teammates I've ever played with. He's very polite. Uh, Didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings there. Uh, He's probably not. Wait, he's, I mean, he's probably one of, if not the best player I've ever played. Will you just say he's the best player I've ever played? Why, why does Stone have to hold back and qualify everything? Come on. Play into this bit. We love Jack Eichel. Las Vegas loves Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel loves Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel doesn't like Buffalo.
1: All those things are true. Yes. yes. I think they're connected, related, and true.
2: All of I, don't, them. I don't think you get much joy out of results of VGK games. Win or lose. Well, you used to. Um, but now that the goalie situation is gone, but I get the feeling with Jack Eichel on the team, there's going to be some spots where you're like under your breath muttering.
5: Yeah, Jack, go Jack.
1: <laughs> I, I will, I don't lo- it doesn't matter to me how the Golden Knights do. I mean, we just like talking about it, following it. It's very, uh, very cool story for sure. Uh, but as somebody who you know writes about the team and covers them, you don't care about the result. Uh, but I do enjoy when any Buffalo team loses and their fans are miserable.
2: Adam Hill, fun guy to talk to in person. There he is. Uh, he's all set up at Treasure Island. I'm at the stadium today getting ready for the UNLV football game. Treasure Island with 55-plus TVs. you got the sports book there. When it's not open, you can bet at the betting kiosk. Fantastic bar, awesome menu. Highly recommend uh, the choice of Loco moco. There's two of them. The hot dog is great. Hell, Jed the Engineer says get the egg salad sandwich. Everything there is really good. TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar.
0: Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Eichel
2: in front, shot, score! You go back, Jack, do it again. Two bowls and an assist for Jack Eichel in Buffalo, New York.
0: You are listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island.
2: thought that was a good line. Back, Jack. Do it again. You did. Eh. Ari liked it so much, he uh, completely snubbed the uh, VGK broadcasting. We get no duva calls today on a magical night for Jack Eichel. Let's bring in... Our buddy, Darren Millard, who's part of the broadcast with AT&T Sportsnet, part of the VGK Insider Show. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I feel bad that we're not using uh, my guy Dan Duva's calls, but, you know, it's Ari's choice. What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm I'm putting
4: that on you. you you got to make the proper request. If you don't make the proper request, Ari's got full – latitude to go whichever direction he wants so uh, i'm gonna take Ari off the hook
2: on this one yeah i'm glad you took him off the hook because i actually cut all those cuts because that's what we do here in cofield and company we're a team (laughs) but i tried to blame him we're a team so so i actually enjoyed the tv calls but i love duva you know what in fact i have to discuss this down the road you're on the running millard um i am finally part of the select crew that gets to choose the nevada broadcaster of the year i just got my ballot the other day really yeah a radio a a, radio, a sports radio host, to my knowledge, has never won the award. It's only been play-by-play people, so... Hmm. Well, the hell with that. Yeah. Has, uh, I'm, I- I'm on TV and I'm on radio.
4: Can I not win a double?
1: Well, I was going to say, has any writer ever won Writer of the Year and maybe do a radio show and win Broadcaster of the Year also? Yeah. I would love
4: to be a co-winner with you.
2: That'd be great.
4: Well... let's Let's do
2: it. Uh, just and so everyone knows, there's one person
4: that can make it happen, and it's
2: Cofield. Yeah, just so everyone knows, this is actually the haggling that goes on behind the scenes. So this is why I joined because I was tired of hearing about uh, trading votes and all that nonsense. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If Adam and I don't win this damn thing, yeah, we're we're coming for you. I only have one vote. You have influence. I don't care. You can't like work work the room a little bit. Now I have to. <laughs> well. Here's the thing, I, I'm working with the defending uh, Nevada Broadcaster of the Year, Russ Langer. Do you think I can get Russ to vote for you guys? Yeah, why not? Tell, tell Russ that to, a vote for me
4: is a vote to tick off Gary Lawless, Shane Natty, and Dave Gosher. And go. that that is the ultimate enjoyment in my life. And to see those guys wriggling in, in my success, so to, to have Adam and I win this thing would be not only a a nice bit of work uh, on on our part but also to tick off the other guys could you imagine so it's a win
1: win could you imagine anytime they throw to you on the broadcast they'd have to say now we go to Nevada broadcaster of the year that, that now, would be that'd be great would that not be
4: amazing exposure for the award process yes yeah, sure. and 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 the uh, the the award in, in general, let's let's do it like that. That's free publicity for eighty two games a year, Man. Let's, and 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 on the Insider Show. Now joined uh, Ryan Wallace and Nevada Broadcaster of the Year. Yep, yeah, he could be on the show open. I might and change
1: my name.
4: Like <laughs> I may drop Millard and just uh, be Nevada Broadcaster of the Year.
2: Sure, I like it. boy, there you go. It's good. Uh, Darren yeah. Millard. Darren Millard is with us. Um, I was going to make some cheesy segue about anger, you know, from broadcasters that you won an award and Jack Eichel uh, haters in Buffalo. But well, let's just talk Jack Eichel. That, that is, I mean, talk about sticking it to your old market where they're, they're in. They want to boo the hell out of you. You do that. That was awesome. But, and there's nothing wrong with the
4: fans doing what they did. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with Jack uh, performing and, and, and enjoying the moment the way he did. He was, he was rattled last year by that reception. And you could tell. And coming back this year, he was uh, more prepared for it emotionally. Uh, certainly the team success has put him in a much better spot. And then to go out and do what he did in the third period, which was extraordinary, given what he'd already done during the game and didn't have anything to show for it, uh, it was massively successful. But, but the, it's theater. It's, it's real live theater uh, that, that we're watching in, in professional sports. And to have somebody that plays the role, if you want to call it a villain for a night, there's there's nothing wrong with that because our side loves the villain, and their side got beat up last year. They won, so it continues on, and and we'll watch it every single season. But I was happy for him, really happy for him. Not only the the win, but the way he did it, and his teammates. You saw that last okay. night. The way it just when he got the assist, they were they were overjoyed. And then when he puts home the, the 185 footer from his own end, like that you can't write that script.
1: Well, that's literally what I was just about to ask you. The the length of the ice empty netter is rarely seen, but that was pretty awesome to see at the How difficult is that to do? Well, let's
4: put it into Jack Eichel terms. He had an empty net earlier this season from just across center ice. uh, on his side of center ice, and he missed it to the left side. He was being chased by a player, and that's a world-class player who turned around and put it in from 185 feet. So uh, it's a chance. It's a hope play. Uh, It's not something that you're – it's probably – if I was going to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say you got about a 20% chance of doing that uh, from your own end and having to float it over everybody and then get a good bounce on the ice uh, at the end of a period where the ice isn't as, as great as obviously it is at the start. So uh, that, that, that was impressive. But there wasn't a chance that he wasn't going for it. There wasn't a chance that Bruce Cassidy wasn't going to have him on the ice. The only thing that I wondered about was whether Buffalo would actually take Comrie out to put Jack in that position. And when they scored their, their fourth goal, they really had no choice. And Don Granado, their coach, isn't really that type of guy. But there's a bunch of coaches that I know that would have been right on the fence about whether they'd give that opportunity to Jack or not.
1: Darren Millard, future Nevada Broadcaster of the Year joining us here. Thank you. Thank there. you. Yep. Of course. We're, getting the, we're setting the stage for it. <laughs> How – I mean, every single game on the road trip, I was like, well, they've already got their couple wins. Yeah. This, one, this one they might relax. They might take this one off. And – How impressive is that road trip to keep up the intensity? And obviously yesterday was easier uh, with the fact that you know Eichel had all the emotion and they wanted to win for him. But to keep up that intensity and, and that drive to win every game on the trip, just how big was this trip for them?
4: Well, every game kind of spilled over to the next in the motivation factor. You went out on that road trip on the heels of the dunk on Winnipeg by Jack. And that gave everybody some enthusiasm. Uh, to go, Then you start it with the no-look pass by Jack to Shea Theodore to win in no overtime. Uh, then you've got Mark Stone's return to Ottawa playing for just the second time, so there's some enthusiasm there. Montreal on a Saturday night. Uh, if you guys haven't experienced that, that's bucket list in sports to play uh, and watch a hockey game, your team, in Montreal on a Saturday night. Toronto is always exciting. So they all kind of filled into the next with a little bit of momentum, the best part about the road trip was the schedule maker putting that Buffalo game last. You've got four wins. You've got the eight out of ten. It's easy to take your foot off the gas and check out, and knowing that you're going to have that long flight back and only one day with your family before they play against St. Louis tomorrow. Uh, that, that one normally, in every other circumstance, would have scared me the most and put them in a position to, to uh, possibly lose a game on the road trip. But the, but the Jack-Buffalo game was perfectly positioned. And I just want to mention, the last time they were on a five-game road trip, guys, was last year when they went 0-for-5. And that mm. really swung things against them in their playoff chase when they were out of gas and they were fatigued and uh, the drama of players in and out. They answered the bell as well as I could have ever expected. Uh, it was phenomenal.
1: So they're playing the best hockey right now. They have the best record right yep. now. Is is this the best team in hockey right now? Yeah. I, I, don't,
4: uh, I don't I put them up against anybody else right now. Tampa Bay has been to three straight uh, Stanley Cup finals. They're struggling in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we, we know that the Colorado Avalanche should be there, but uh, they've got some injury uh, concerns right now. So there's uh, there's two teams, uh, the two Edmonton clubs, haven't performed on a consistent basis and come up uh, with with wins when they should have. So and they're also on, on big road trips and haven't got off to great starts. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody that's that's better. And and you guys have been around here longer than me, even though I'm the featured Nevada broadcaster of the year. <laughs> uh, uh, this this and I and this is not hyperbole. It might be the best time to be a VGK fan. Coming off last year and the disappointment and, and uh, being through it and being loyal if you stuck with the team uh, and then to, to watch this kind of start to a campaign, like they're not going to keep doing this, but it's a hell of a uh, table set for the year. And it's, it's honestly the start that I expected last year before everybody got hurt. Like There was the expectations that they were going to compete for a Stanley Cup. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised 13-2 and two last year. Uh, it would have been impressive, but if they would have done it, I would have went, oh, that's sort of what they're 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 built to do. Uh, this time around, they're a year late, but they're getting it done.
2: Darren Millard is up on Cofield & Company helping us out on a Friday as the Knights are off a, a five-win road trip, nine wins in a row. The other cool thing for the fans, you know, if you want to find, uh, you know, Quirky, or uh, not even quirky, but you know, support cast guys to root for. Last night was a good night for Kessel, and uh, I wasn't watching at the time; I was driving. But it sounded like the Cotter goal was just insane. Well, I can say this firsthand because I've, I've skated with uh, a
4: bunch of the HSK guys the last couple of years, uh, leading into training camp and uh, and some of their, their practices. Uh, and so I've been on the ice a lot with Paul Cotter. Not that I'm a National Hockey League caliber goaltender but i've never seen a guy who loves the shootout or the showdown one-on-one with a goaltender more than that guy in <laughs> hockey history <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he will grab a puck if the if the coach is uh, lining up the next drill. he'll grab a puck and he'll come down with you uh on a breakaway just to see what he can do and he's got about five different moves and they're all outstanding i would i would have him in the lineup just for the potential of a shootout. Never mind that he's got a complete game now with, uh, with some physical attributes and he's, and he's really worked on uh, his 200-foot game. But his ability to, to get himself free, and there's guys that get lots of breakaways. We've seen them over the years, and they can't finish. And I can name you like three off the top of my head. But, but Paul Cotter, he can finish, and it, it, and, it's, and it's filthy. Uh, I'm glad that he's not up for Nevada Broadcaster of the Year if he had uh, with moves <laughs> like
2: that. Last 30 seconds, they uh, they faced the Blues. What's going on with yeah. St. Louis? Only four and eight, huh?
4: Yeah, they've uh, they've really struggled keeping the puck out of the net, and they went through some changes this uh, this summer. Uh, they they parted ways with one of their heart and soul guys, and David Prawn. It was a cap uh, issue; they didn't want to give him the term and the money, and uh, and it's hurt them. They're trying to find their identity, and uh, they've really struggled. One last night but uh, but that, that, that's still a pretty good hockey team with a good coach. Uh, that, that's the one that worries me. Out of the next bunch, that's the one that worries me coming home off the road and, uh, and all the success.
2: What do you got coming up tonight on the uh, VGK Insider Show?
4: Uh, we are going to have Darren Elliott on the program, the Olympian, who's going to uh, join us to talk about uh, the last couple of games on the road trip that he was there. Uh, he did a TV game and did a radio game. And, uh, and just where, if, if you could improve one thing, what would you do on the VGK? We're going to get greedy today.
2: I like it. I like greedy radio. Yeah. Darren? Thank
4: greedy you. radio. That's right up your alley. You and I could hang out with that.
2: Absolutely. I wasn't greedy enough last week. I should have gone to Altadena to buy that a lottery ticket, but I didn't, so I don't win. All right, Darren. You know what?
4: I'll let you present me with the Nevada Broadcaster of the Year Award if, oh, the, if, I can, if I can win it. So oh, that's the, the it's speech. up to
2: you now to make it happen. Yep. Well, the speech I will make. Darren, thank you so much. See you, boys in. Darren Millard. Uh, might have had my vote, but then he mentioned that he skates with the players. I'm not sure now. Was that overboard on his part?
1: No, I think he's got to get ready. He's the uh, emergency backup goaltender.
2: Hmm. Will you laugh if I like mention that I like dribbled a basketball around Luis Rodriguez tomorrow when I'm on TV? Because I'm doing TV tomorrow, Fox 5.2 and Tox 125 for Running Rebels Basketball. If I if I make a reference to like being close to the players, is that a bad thing?
1: Uh, no, but I think it would just be laughed, laughed at more well, than that will
2: I will laugh as I'm trying to say it because, of course, I didn't do that. I'm very brittle, and I can barely bounce a basketball anymore without hurting myself or pulling a muscle.